Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on Tuesday morning, the 19th of September. A very good morning to everybody listening to us through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers in the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. So much to get through this morning. The Rural Fire Brigade is a threat. It is a massive, massive worry. I'm going to talk about that. We're going to catch up with Kurt Capewell. Can you know it from Charleville? Uh, playing in a prelim this week. We're going to talk about the dingoes. That's an issue. Simon Gleeson will join us and Kerry Carmichael, the coaching director of the Dolby Diehards and how a rural town got together to win a premiership in a metropolitan city. So much to get through this morning. You can get on our Facebook page. You can get in contact with me or go to Spotify and listen to any of our previous episodes. Let's get into it. You won't believe the statistics around this um, funding for the rural fire brigades, but it does speak volumes of where the government really think the problems are. That's up next. This is Rural Queensland Today. You're with Ben Dobbin on Tuesday morning across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Let's start the show. Justin Chavot has met with uh, Mark Ryan, um, and this is the real big thing, with experienced rural firefighters leaving the service in droves with fears... The dwindling numbers of volunteers will now struggle to cope with the catastrophic bush dry season ahead of this summer. Now, reported in the Courier-Mail, um, and we've spoken with Justin last week, we now know that the heat waves are coming. Um, and I don't want to be a scaremonger, but we, we do know exactly what is ahead of us this year. Um, and by the end of the week here in Brisbane, they're going to have 38, 39 degrees. I mean, we're in September at the moment. And there's a bombshell report that was coming, warning two-thirds of Queensland had increased bushfire threat this season. Homes have been evacuated, thousands of hectares have been burnt, and we have a depleted rural fire service, and we're asking for more members. Over the weekend, there were homes evacuated in Emerald and in Biwa as bushfires burned through national parks and state forests. Now, we have a problem where the Rural Fire Services Queensland volunteers are worried because their brigades are down on numbers. Numbers have dwindled to 26,000 members, dropping 10,000 volunteers in four years with a little more than 1,000 trucks left for this season. Now, they are tasked with protecting 93% of the state. So... I'll just tell you that again. A thousand trucks are tasked with protecting 93% of the state compared to the government-run Queensland Fire Services coveraging the metropolitan areas, which makes up 7%. So you talk to me about fair. The Queensland Fire and Emergency Service, which is run by the government, that makes up 70%, 7%. But a thousand trucks with volunteers protect 93% of the state. Now, the diminishing volunteer numbers and a $101 million budget are significantly dwarfed by New South Wales. They get $780 million in funding last year and they have a 70,000-strong volunteer force. Now, I can tell you now, we've spoken to Justin Chavo, he's been nothing but complimentary about this government, but I can tell you I'm not. It's frustrating because they are losing control, members, and effectiveness. And this potentially could be a catastrophic season. Now, a whistleblower has come out and said volunteer numbers are dropping like crazy. The scary part of it is, is it hides 
the drop in capabilities because the numbers that are leaving are experienced. There's training available, but we don't even get it. Even a fairly modest season, we will be in trouble. Now, this is a really serious, serious part of what we're worried about. The Rural Fire Services Queensland whistleblower has said, and I mean this, and he's not happy, and this whistleblower has come out and he has said in all seriousness terms that it's going to get very, very dangerous shortly. He said the volunteers would only keep on leaving unless something happens. In Beerwa, there was 55 crews and 45 of them were rural volunteers. And you can't keep that sort of effort up for long. This is the burning fire. Beerwa State Forest is all planted pine. Very flammable. So given the weather forecast, it's going to be hard to stop. Now, why isn't the government seriously getting behind this? Justin Chaveau has worked his backside off trying to fight. But the Rural Fire Brigades Association Queensland General Manager Justin Chavot said that brigades would be put to the test this season with huge chunks of state-owned land that had not been maintained, nor the rail corridors or roadside burns completed. The National Bushfire Outlook warns of exceptionally high fuel loads across Queensland. And it's only the start. 66% of the land is owned by the Crown, the state, and they're not managing it. This is the facts, and they want the volunteers to take it on. This is just going on, and I go back to $101 million worth of funding for 97% of the state. In New South Wales, comparatively, $780 million worth of funding, and you don't think we've got a problem. Roadsides, railway corridors, no fire breaks. They're the ignition points. Now, the national, three national parks in the Glasshouse Mountains, Burham Coast and Carnarvon and Fairburn State Forests are on fire as of yesterday. You don't think there's a drama? The day of last, we might get him tomorrow, said rural residents have been caught off guard when the commissioner announced last month that it was too late to keep burning. They said, you can't do anything. Fire and Emergency Service Minister Mark Ryan said any suggestion Queensland was underprepared was an insult to the entire fighting community. Wake up. We are underprepared. Justin Chavot said that. He said we're in danger. He knows more than you, Mark Ryan. Fire mitigation programs are called all year round and have been ramped up over the last 18 months. Queensland firefighting crews and volunteers are committed to minimising the community impacts of bushfires. The main fire risk is government-owned land. And when those fires start, there's nothing we can do about to stop them. I'll tell you what, it just gets on better and better and better and better this bloody government. Mark Ryan is the first person in decades who has come along and acknowledged that they have a problem, Justin Chavoa said. But I tell you what, the fact that they think it's insulting, um, you know, is disgusting. The Rural Fire Service would like a bigger slice of the emergency levy intake, which raises about $800 million a year from taxpayers and government contributions. There's only one government department that raises its own money, and that's the fire service. And the fact that they have to is embarrassing. And I can tell you, it's going to be worse this year. Concerned? We all should be. Because the government aren't managing what is their land. 97% of the state is managed by volunteers. 
7% is managed by the government. You tell me how that works. We'll take a break, come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, it's the hottest ticket in town. Um, It's either the Lions or the Broncos this weekend. Um, And I can't believe the arrogance of the AFL when they had an opportunity to play the Lions on a Friday night. People coming from the bush and come down and watch the Broncos on Saturday night. Instead, they've put the Lions at a 5.15 start and then the Broncos at 7.50. And I can tell you that it is... The hardest ticket to get in anywhere at the moment. There'll be 52,000 screaming fans at Suncorp Stadium on Saturday night, whether or not they're New Zealand supporters for the Warriors or whether or not they're Broncos supporters. It will be a spectacle not to be missed. Now, there's lots to, lots to like about what is happening with the Broncos and the sprinkling we've talked for some time is all about whether or not, you know, you know how many country blokes are in this side. And, and they're littered through it. They're littered through it. But the bloke who, for me, typifies what the Broncos are is Kurt Capewell. He's Charleville born and bred, and he's had to do it the hard way. It just didn't come to him naturally. He was always a really good footballer. But sometimes, sometimes... It just doesn't work out like you think. Here is Kurt Capewell. I caught up with him yesterday. Charleville born and raised ahead of the prelim final that's taking place for rural Queensland today. Kurt Capewell. From Charleville to the Brisbane Broncos playing in a prelim this week. Kurt Capewell, uh, the excitement for you, mate. Um, you know, You know what goes through and what it takes to win a prelim they always say they're the hardest game to win over a grand final how excited are you firstly well i can't wait uh, this is the reason you play the game it's probably the only reason i go to pre-season to be honest so uh it's very exciting very exciting time for the club and um yeah we just got to focus down on on getting our training right and getting our prep right this week and um yeah the rest should take care of itself it's a pretty special situation that you're in because you've won premierships before but Brisbane's been your club. It was where you first started your career, you know, and where you wanted to be. How excited are you that you're on the, the cusp of potentially making another grand final, uh, and this time for the Broncos? Yeah, mate, um, obviously very exciting, but obviously not lo- losing sight of, of this weekend and just knowing that I've got to get my role done and get the job done this week before I think about too much. But, mate, it's, it's, it's great to be back at Broncos, and, and as you said, it's where I started my career in under-20s, and... Uh, it's awesome to you know be a, be a part of their journey of getting back to the top. Um, it's it's pretty special being a Queenslander to play at the Broncos and um, to play in a successful Broncos team is even more special. From Charleville, um, it's very well documented your career, but that bush upbringing and I, and I mean that and and the, the the values that you got from your mum and dad and your brothers and then to be able to have you been able to instil that kind of stuff? It feels like a lot of the way you know, like that you live your life and you've instilled it into the younger blokes here at Brisbane. Yeah, I think um, that's one thing where we're pretty lucky in Brisbane is uh, it's sort of like a big country city as well. So uh, a lot of the young boys that grew up here have, have a bit of that already. And, um, you know, you walk through our dressing sheds and, and everyone will come over and shake your hand and say day. And uh, you'd probably invite every bloke in our team to a barbecue. So they're the type of people you want in the organisation. And um, that's something that Kevy's very passionate about as well, as you'd know. So it's awesome to see. Mate, um... The Ipswich Jets played a significant role in, in your career in the sense that when you came out of the 20s and, 
and it took you a little longer to be recognised before you got on that, that Ben and Shane Walker giving you that opportunity. And, and that year in 2015, it was a pretty special year for you. Yeah, definitely. It was one of the most enjoyable um, enjoyable teams I've played in. Um, probably the best footy I've played too with <laughs> being a, being a centre winger playing in the back row. So that was all, all credit to the Walkers there. It was a pretty smart move by them for me and it's probably really set my career up. Mate, what... W- has this team got what it takes? I mean, you, you've played against Penrith, you played for Penrith, you've won a premiership for them. Does this team have that edge that you've seen? Yeah. At the start of the year, you said, we're, we're still a long way. We're getting to the real business end of the season. Can you feel that within this side now? Yeah, mate, um, definitely 100%. We've got you know, blokes that have proven it on the big stage. They've got that hard edge. And I think um, you know, the last game against Melbourne, we really set a standard where we, you know, we can't go back from that now. We've constantly live up to that at training and we can only get better and better so yeah I definitely think we've we've got what it takes to get the job done and as long as we bring that this week uh, the results should go our way. What about for yourself mate um, I'm fair in saying middle of the season you, you, you know you, you look you were not injured but you looked like you know you were labouring a bit it, it's sort of like something rejuvenated what was it that you turned your season around? Yeah well funny you say I was pretty injured I, um, I was carrying a, a, a quad tendon tear and um Obviously, I'll never rule myself out of a game, but it took a couple of weeks, and Kevin just said, mate, better off resting you here over the, over the period where we had a couple of boys there, and um, him doing that's probably been the key to getting me back um, you know, back up around that 90 to 100% mark yeah. with the body. Well, so. no one's 100% at this time of the no, year. No, that's but, right. But, but, you know, there certainly was something not yeah. 100% right. You know, in, in a lot of ways, it cost you your origin spot because yeah, you were playing 100%. injured, you know, like... How difficult is it mentally to get yourself through that and then go, right, I'm back here? Yeah, probably. well, I sort of, uh, obviously, I, I was playing injured and, and missed out on the Origin team and um, bit down on the mouth guard and thought, well, I'll, I'll just really rip in here. It was probably the, the wrong decision because uh, my body just got worse. But, um, yeah, it was pretty smart by Kev to come and tap me on the shoulder and give me a couple of weeks off. And uh, it was great work by our physios to be able to rehab me and get me back to, you know, like I said, 90%. And, um, yeah, I'm flying at the moment. We've had only played a couple of games the last few weeks, so the body's feeling amazing. Where where were you on Saturday night? Who'd you watch the game with? Mate, I went fishing Saturday night and watched yeah. it in the boat. Yeah, I was on my mate's phone. Really? Caught, caught a nice snapper out uh, of the port of Brisbane. Is that right? Where's the best fishing spot out of Brisbane at the moment? Mate, I can't tell you that. You'll tell everyone. <laughs> Is it good, though? Good fishing? <laughs> mate, yeah, yeah. Brizzy, um, Brizzy River system and uh, the bay they have fished pretty good and I'm still working it out myself, but, uh, yeah, no, it's going all right. I love that. Best of luck for Saturday night. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks, mate. Geez, he's a good bloke. Um, and I just know all the Capewell family, all of them will be there. Zorro will be there. They'll all be there this weekend for what will be, and if he can, just an unbelievable. He's already run, won a premiership with Cronulla. He's already won one with Penrith, and now he's bidding to win one with the Broncos. Hard work pays off. What a phenomenal, phenomenal human being he is and one that is fantastic. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. I'm going to get to a First Nations voice on dingo management shortly and the concerns I have around that. But Simon Gleeson, um, the CEO of the Droughtmaster Society, joins us this morning. Um, look, there's no two ways about it. Their breed has been... Superior in some of and I talked about Glenlands last week and, and the Drought Master National Sale. Just phenomenal. Simon, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us um, on this Tuesday morning. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, Gobbo. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mate, talk to me about um, 
and, and look, lots going on um, at the moment in the drought master world. But the Glenland sale, what a show of strength for a, a leading brand and a leading stud uh, to have a sale like that. And then also uh, underpinning what was a great national drought master sale, considering what is going on in the livestock industry and seasonally. Yeah, you're certainly right there, Dobbo. It's, um, it was a, an unbelievable week for us, given where the market and the seasons are going um, at the moment with Cleanlands, you know, to, to have a top price full of 320000 And it's a breed record for us. Um, and also then to have a female, you know, top, our female record of 70000 um, just phenomenal, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, and I think as well, the national sale with, with the results there to, to achieve an average over um, $10,000 in this market and, and given the seasonal conditions that are ahead of us um, was, was phenomenal as well. Yeah, and look, I mean, the thing about it is there was a bull for every everybody, um, but what people don't realise is you have that kind of average, but, you know, there was a lot of bulls that sold, you know, for less than that average as well. So, I mean, what it did was it showed that you know, you could really shop along and, and bulk buyers would be able to, in a lot of ways, buy their bulls. Now, look, the average price per head was decreased by 25%, right? And I get that. I get that. But I tell you what, the the industry jumped. It, 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 could, be, it could be almost 60% price reduction. So what it's done is you, you're above the average and that's the way you've got to look at things. And And to be honest with you, the consistency there, a lot of people were there buying bulls who probably, you know, didn't really need them but just understand the importance of continuing to grow their herd and, you know, and you're getting people putting better genetics for a lesser price. This won't this won't last is what I'm trying to say. This industry will, will bounce back. We know it's a seasonal thing. We understand what's going on in the world. So, you know, the show must go on. Yeah, you're right there, and um, and look, we're we're very proud of the results, and you you're also right on the consistency and and the fact that you know there were bulls there for all markets, you know, and even Glenlands, there were bulls there for all markets, you know, they they sold a lot of top price bulls, but they also had bulls that you know were at that level that you know that a lot of people could get into. So um, both sales, I thought, were um, exceptionally performed exceptionally well given the the environment and the markets and. Um, and I think you're right as well. I mean, I don't think these things are going to last because um, the, the breed is certainly going forward. Can I um, uh, just congrats to to Mac and Gail Shan from Lamont? They um, they topped um, the with three bulls averaging thirty nine thousand. Very um, they're they're very very um, successful in what they're doing. Their bulls stand up everywhere they take them. That, those three bulls to average close on forty thousand. That's a phenomenal average. I, I'm be it only three bulls, but just a wonderful wonderful average. Yeah, you're right, Dobbo. Yeah, they they um they had a great sale and and they did look. They had three really high quality bulls and um and that was reflected by the price and um they certainly um certainly did very well and you know Huntley, one of our major studs, bought two of those. So um uh so that sort of certainly um, tells uh, how good the quality was. Yeah, no two ways about it. Um, now, mate, look, there's a lot of sales still to come, and the big part about your job is making sure that people are aware and. Like, there's obviously opportunities. A new sale that is beginning um, and one that will have 68 bulls and 42 females is, for the first time ever, um, a sale taking place 
at the Silverdale Sale uh, Selling Complex, located on the Cunningham Highway, um, on Saturday the 23rd of September. So this Saturday, we have an amazing opportunity for 68 drought master bulls, 42 females and 34 vendors catalogued. Talk to us about this sale, mate. Yeah, look, Jobbo, it's, um, it's a sale that's come about. We've had strong growth um, in both stud and commercial membership in um, southeast Queensland. Um, and we now have a very strong presence of both stud and commercial um, cattle in this area. Um, it's Up until now, there's been limited opportunities for buyers um, in southern Queensland and northern New South Wales to inspect and purchase drought master bulls. So um, we created this sale to... Uh, to give those, those those geographic areas an opportunity to to come in and, and, and get drought master bulls and diversify their genetics. Um, so that's how the sales come about. Um, it, there's been good interest in the sale. Um, we've had a, a number of uh, calls and inspections uh, on stud. Um, and look, there, there will be opportunity for um, p- potential buyers to come to the sale on Friday afternoon at 3 p.m. Um, and inspect the bulls. Um, from the you know twenty second of September onwards, a lot of people listening to us this morning on the downs um, and throughout you know the South Burnet and and throughout that area would understand just these kind of sales. Now this is called the Droughtmaster Diamond Genetic Sale, and what it will do is it's located in the scenic rim at Silverdale. A lot of people know that out, out there at Hayes and Co's Complex. Um, 68 bulls, 42 females, 34 vendors. Now, all bulls to include, um, there will be both registered stud bulls and herd bulls there. There will be females that are joined and unjoined. Um, there will also be some commercial females available. Now, as you just said, you can get on and have a look the day prior. The sale commences 10 a.m. this Saturday, the 23rd, and inspection from three o'clock. Now, everything's pre-treated for ticks for ease of clearance, so that's good going back into the clean country. And, um, mate, where do you get catalogues from and how, what's the best process there? Um, well, catalogues will be available on the day. Um, you can also contact, or jump on the uh, Diamond Genetics website um, and uh, contact the relevant people there. Um, we also have catalogues available um, at the Droughtmaster office um, in Ipswich if people would like to... Uh, to get the catalogue. Um, and also, to Dobbo, I would like to mention, though, that the sale will be online um, via Elite Livestock Auction. So right. that, um, yeah, that's important. Anyone who can't make the sale, anyone who can't make the sale can, uh, can log on online as well. Yeah, so Elite Livestock Auctions will be holding and conducting that in, in conjunction uh, with the sale as well. So wherever you are. Now, look, there's an opportunity here. There's some really good bulls here, and it's worth having a look. Um, the vendors have drawn all part of the Drought Master Society, so they're all registered up and they're drawn from as far as central Queensland, northern New South Wales, the Burnett region and west of St George and Roma. So there is opportunity everywhere through these uh, with these bulls and you know what? You can get bulls right. This is a real opportunity for people listening today. It's called the Diamond Genetic Sale and it kicks off at 10am this Saturday the 23rd of September. Available animals are available for inspection. All bulls available for inspection from three o'clock on Friday. Uh, they're pre-treated for the ease of clearance. Uh, immediately on, on on the conclusion of the sale. Now you can get in contact with Hayes and Co. Am I right in saying that Hayes and Co. Yes, um, Obviously, uh, they're the agents, and also it's in line with Elite Livestock Auctions as well. This Saturday, 
Simon, uh, moving on from that, that will be a very good sale. And if anybody's looking for an opportunity, a big opportunity there, moving forward, um, there's a few more sales to come, obviously with Roma and a few other sales still left. Yeah, that's right, Job. I actually got Clon Lara today, um, which is an on-farm sale. Yep. Um, so that's, uh, that'll be a very uh, big sale and, and a busy sale. And then um, from our perspective, from the Drought Monster Society, we move into the, uh, the Roma sale in October. Well, best of luck to the McCormacks today as well, um, to Gus and Jen and, and everybody involved there at Clonlara and then obviously Rome. Appreciate your time this morning, mate. That sale, uh, which is taking place on Saturday, the 23rd of September, commencing at 10am, um, which is called the Droughtmaster Diamond Genetic Sale. Uh, kicks off this Saturday, 10am. You can go to Elite Livestock Auctions as well. It's available there. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Jobbo. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today. Um, Sally Gall has written an amazing piece in the Queensland Country Life yesterday um, that is not only concerning, um, it, it is really where this country is heading at the moment. And, and I say this with the deepest respect. A forum of First Nations people in Cairns has signed a national dingo declaration which demands an immediate stop to the killing of dingoes across Australia. Now, this was signed by the First Nations people from 20 different nations in advocating for a model called caring for dingoes on country to be recognised as a culturally significant and protected in legislation. Now, the model must use traditional knowledge an evidence-based practice focusing on peaceful coexistence between dingoes and all stakeholders, the statement reads. It also calls on levels of government directly involved um, as the traditional custodians in decision-making on all pieces of legislation and management that impacts dingoes. The statement says, we demand our rights to have our voice and the capacity to apply cultural in all matters relating to the dingo. It says it's going to invoke two articles of the United Nations Declaration on on, on Rights of Indigenous People, endorsed by Australia in 2009, to claim inherent sovereign rights in the preservation of dingoes. Article 25 asserts that Indigenous people have the right to maintain and strengthen their spiritual relationship with the traditionally owned or otherwise occupied and used land. The following article says that they are, as well, having the right to own, use and develop and control traditionally owned land. States shall give legal recognition and protection to these lands, territories and resources. Now, Australia is yet to honour its commitment to this declaration. Over 100 people from mainland states attended the conference and produced the declaration. The conference organiser... Whitney Rassip from the Girigum Aboriginal Corporation at Cardwell said she wanted a new approach to protecting and managing dingoes nationally. Indigenous people, she said, have a deep cultural link to dingoes and day-to-day involvement in modern land management. We've been left out of conversations around the management of dingoes. We are deeply concerned about the ongoing indiscriminate killing of dingoes that occurs in many regions. In too many places, the standard management is to still kill, eradicate under the pretense of the so-called wild dogs, 
and they're being targeted. And she said, we appreciate that some farmers and graziers, especially sheep and goat producers, will be concerned about the protection of their stock from dingoes. We would like to work with landholders to support a non-lethal solution available to protect small livestock. Come on. Miss Rassip said the declaration was long-needed First Nations perspective on engaging with dingoes. We will work together to ensure it acts as a springboard for a new approach in dingo management on local levels. From the new Indigenous network, we'll support Indigenous people working together for change in dingo management across many of our nations. Now, this is dead set real. Sally Gould reporting this in the Queensland Country Life. The declaration places much emphasis on the place dingoes have, have in individual and collective entities of Australia's First Nations people. It speaks of them as family, as part of their creation, ritual, ceremony, art, dances, songs, and as a cultural icon representing a vital connection to the country, saying they are the boss country. The Declaration says their presence in the ecosystem ensures natural systems remain in balance. Ms Rassip said the growing body of evidence has highlighted the ecological benefits of dingoes in Australia environment, regulating the population of kangaroos, controlling and eradicating feral goats and pigs, as well as introduced predators like cats and foxes. A research paper released last week, Stuck in the Mud, Persistent Failure of Science, provided a reliable information on the ecological role of the Australian dingo. It found that major research did not have scientific rigour to support conclusions that dingoes suppressed feral cats and fo- fo- fox populations. The declaration says that graziers have received better business returns from maintaining dingo populations and demonstrate that killing does not need to be a default approach. It also states an objection to the use of the term wild dog. The term diminishes the dingo. It's a deliberate misrepresentation to justify killing. It respects, disrespects and disrespects culture. European colonisation and introduced livestock are given as reasons for impacting First Nations relationships with dingoes. We assert the truth of the statement as the basis to restore our cultural obligation and rights in alignment with our law for our custom. As the undersigned individuals from our respective nations, together with our allies across society, we are determined in walking together to make real demands of this declaration. Wild dog management officials have been contacted for comment, yet to offer anything. This is as serious as we get, and this is just the start. This is where we are heading. We all know that the wild dog population, I'm calling them wild dogs because they're not all purebred dingoes. Over time, they are wild dogs. They're crossbreds, and they are absolutely destructive to our economy. Now, I, tr- I absolutely respect these people's views. I 100% respect that they believe that culturally that this is right for them. But this is where we're heading with the voice vote and the referendum on October the 14th. And I mean, it, if, if you want to say, well, you know, it's just a piece of legislation giving them a voice, this is the start of where we are going. For too long, I mean, this has been supported and it lead one of the lead stories in the Queensland country life. And, and, you know, Sally Gore, well done to her, has written an impartial piece and just stated the facts. But my understanding is there's more demands. 
There is more need, and it's just not good enough. We absolutely and wholeheartedly respect the First Nations people. But for people to say that this land needs to go back and dogs need to be protected and we need to work alongside them, it's just, it's naive. It's naive. But when you talk in the words and the use of language that they have, it fits in with the legislation and, and this voice and the changes that are going to occur in this country. Now, I'm not scaremongering anybody. Acknowledgement in the legislation of the First Nations people, 100% I agree, but having them, they have a voice now. I don't understand why the government is going down this road, but I can tell you what, it is as scary as it has ever been. I'm concerned, and the dingo management demand for it in a new declaration is just the beginning. In every area of your business, whether or not you're going to dinner, whether or not you're on land, it's a gravel pit, now it's the dingoes. Just watch where we are heading. It is a concerning, concerning situation. We'll take a break, come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is Tuesday morning, the 19th of September. And I mentioned briefly yesterday that Dolby won the Toowoomba Rugby League Grand Final over Valleys. Um, the diehards, uh, what a phenomenal, phenomenal result. 20 points to 14. Well, the coaching director uh, for the diehards is Kerry Carmichael. He joins us this morning. Kerry, good morning. Firstly, mate, congratulations. Um, I, I understand how hard premierships are to, w- to win, especially when you come from a bush town um, and you're playing in that TRL competition. What a, what a phenomenal, phenomenal result. Yeah, mate, it's been fantastic. And like you said, mate, um, very hard to come by. I think we've been, I think we've been in the TRL now for I think thirty years, twenty nine, thirty years, and uh, mate, this is the second one we've won. Yeah. So they're very hard, and um, mate, the, the, um, just a really, really good club effort, mate, and it's, it's and it's so good for the community too, mate, and um, you know, and the community was, you know, got right behind us, and um, just just a really a fantastic outcome. Kerry, start from the beginning of the season when you start a pre-season and there's been a real push and, and obviously with your NRL experience and, and obviously coaching and, 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 and your involvement in rugby league, you know what to do to get a side right. But there's one thing that you can't do and that's bring put bums on seats and people in the town. So trying to get players, it's a, it's a problem in every regional town. We, we just know that's part of the pitfalls, unfortunately, living regionally. So... With the help of the Broncos yeah. and with the help of obviously, you know, other, you know, development coaches and, and, and obviously your network, how did you begin to, to, to get a stable club and get one where you've got a consistent player base and that you can get to the point that you can even challenge for a grand final? Yeah, well, mate, that's, um, you know, like, like you said, my players are so hard to come by now. And unfortunately, you can't. You know, like thirty years ago, Ben, you, you know, you'd know this. You could, you could rely on your local talent, but I mean, now it just, it just, they just don't keep. You know, they they, well, they leave. To, they got jobs they in do, minds. Mate, they they don't want to be there. They, they're worried about no. work, and they're worried. You know, like it's ne- it's not like it used well, to gonna, be. Well, they're going to miss it. They're going to miss out on a bloody um, you know, on, on, a, on a music festival. Yeah, you know, that's just the way they are now. So it's important. You know, you need to buy players, and, and you know, some people don't like it. But that's just, it's just the way it is. If you don't buy players, mate, you're just not competitive. And, so I think you know it's the most important thing though. You know where you start. Obviously, your coaching, your coaching team, and we, you have to get that right first. And um, 
you know, getting Jason Connors on board from Ipswich, and then, yeah. um, and then you know um, Jimmy Sanky with the 19s, and then also Hanslow and um, and Benny O'Kelling in reserve. We had, we, had a, we had a really really good team, and and you say about buying players. Now we had trouble at the start of the year with the players, you know, coming and going. It was really really tough, and um, mate. And, and our president Dan Manley has done a fantastic job, and, and Jason Connors, the coach. They, they, oh, he's they a, Jason the- Connors. I mean, he's a brother's legend out of Ipswich, and what he's done, um, you know, what he he's did a as a player. Yeah, well, what he did as a player, and he was a captain coach for brothers. He won premierships for them as well. Um, yeah. So, I mean, well, mate, you know, you know, I had him block. I, I, I spent a bit of time away this year in Brisbane, and that, you know, other things. And mate, in the middle of the year, we, we, we were we were going to battle to make the fight. And, and, and I thought, I actually have hard written ourselves off. And, and mate, for him to turn it around the way he did was just fantastic, mate. You know, it was really, really good effort. You know, like, from, you know, probably, you know, battling, the, you know, to finish, you know, fifth or sixth to, to win the premiership was a really good effort, mate. And, and um, you know, and, and mate, I, I don't know what he's doing next year. There, there, there is talk. I have spoke to him. It was mad Monday, though, but <laughs> we had a bit of a chat. But, um, yeah, we're not sure what he's doing next year yet, but he's done a fantastic job, mate. And and like you said about buying players, mate, it's, it's really really hard to buy players, so it's important that we keep as many many of these players as we can, um, because we do have some we do have a lot of young talent coming through. So it's important that we have a competitive side, otherwise them fellas will stop playing. Yeah, and I mean your junior base has never been as strong. Um, like you've got you know this is the hard part. You've got young kids playing rugby league, and and you've got. The Broncos coming out, it's a big patch. You know, Andrew McCulloch joined the, the Broncos as the development officer. He's coming out there. So they're trying to grow the game. There's no two ways about it. But it's transitioning them from a 15-year-old um, to getting them to play reserve grade, first grade in the TRL and then turning up every single Sunday or Saturday night or Friday when the game is on to play. To play. And that's that's been the big thing. So sponsorship's a big thing as well. And... You know, and listening to us across Queensland here, uh, Kerry, that you know, it's so important when you have a, um, a, a a town like Dolby that is such a proud town, and not only do they support the Diards, but they support the Wheatman, they support any any team that represents their brand. But to have the the, the sponsorship and and the support financially uh, in the league's club, th- that has to go a long way. Obviously, you, it helps you be able to buy gear, buy players, but yeah. also it, it just strengthens your club that you can function day in, day out. Yeah, mate, we, you know, we've got some really good sponsors. You know, we've got Wild in the Concrete, mate, you know, um, good mate on Clayton Coleman. He's a major sponsor. Mate, we've got so many good sponsors, mate. And sponsors have been there for 15, 20, 30 years, you know. Yeah. We, we've got so much support. And, you know, like, you go to a game of footy in Dolby, and, and mate, let, let's be honest, company football's dying. It's dying everywhere, and um, except Dolby, you know, it's just getting, you know, it's getting better and better. Um, you, you go down to Tumba and play a game down to Tumba against the club, and mate, there'd be no one there. Literally, there'd be reserve grade players watching the A grade. It's basically about it. The only supporters will be there, you know, you know Dolby. When you come to Dolby and watch a home game at Dolby, and the crowd, mate, you know, it's just unbelievable. You know, we had three hundred, three hundred, three hundred ladies to ladies day this year. You know, it's just. It's, it's, you know, it's um, it's so it's so good to be proud. I'm um, so good to be part of this club, mate. You know, so many good people. Um, the committee we got on there now, mate, Dan Manley, and you know, he's done a fantastic job. It's just, it's just a really, really good. It's just, it's just a day out, you know, rugby league and Dolby, and we've had, you know, we've got so many loyal supporters and sponsors, mate. It's it's really, really, it's really, really good feeling. That's a huge part of it, and um, and and you're dead right about what, what what's taking place. Why is it that the Toowoomba competition, and we've spoken, why is it that there's no support? What what like I mean, Valleys are a very strong club. 
Why is it that there's no one supporting that? What's happened? Why is it only happening in the regional towns? Well, you know, there's, I suppose you can look at it one way, I suppose. So, Ben, when we buy players, we, we like them to be part of the community. You know, if you're going to go and buy, let's say you go and buy six or seven players and they come to train and go, go to the games and go home, don't you? Just have no one. People don't like that. People think, well, you know, they're not part of the club. So when we buy players, mate, they're going to be part of the club and part of the community, you know, and people and people like that, you know. Yeah. I think some clubs, I'm not sure, this this is just, you know, one reason. I think maybe when you go and buy players and stuff, it's, sometimes when you buy players and form, say, say they come to Dolby, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean much to them, I suppose, yeah. like it does to the local players. So I'm not sure why, I'm not sure why, you know, um, there's not much support in, you know, in places, I suppose. It's just a new generation coming through, you know, maybe, I don't know. Well, I don't really know, but, you know. Well, either way, you've done the uh, Dolby Town and the TRL Proud, um, 20 points to 12 winners over Valleys. And as the coaching director, Kerry, you, you must have been just absolutely beside yourself. And, and well done to Jason Connors, who's a very, very good footballer and it was he's a brilliant coach as well. Um, and he's going yeah. up the food chain. So he's done wonderful things. So I really appreciate your time this morning and thanks so much for being with us. No worries, Ben. Anytime, mate. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Hope you've enjoyed the show. We're back same time, same place tomorrow morning from 9am. Remember when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. From everybody here at Rural Queensland today, stay safe on the roads. Until next time, it's bye for now.